Florida Medical Association. Helping physicians practice medicine. Welcome to the Medicine Curated Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Stapleton, CEO of the Florida Medical Association. Our guest today is the FMA's Director of Health Policy and Innovation, Jared Fowler. Jared is the individual at the FMA who's responsible for analyzing proposed rules and regulations by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. On August 4th, CMS posted a draft version of the 2021 Medicare fee schedule in the Federal Register. This proposed rule is over 1,300 pages long. It's very controversial because it's centered on redistributing funds among medical specialties. Today, we'll discuss the Medicare uh, fee schedule proposal. But before we start, Jared, tell us about your background prior to joining our staff at the FMA almost seven years ago. Thank you for that introduction, uh, Tim, and, and thanks for having me on. So prior to working at the FMA, I was studying to receive my master's degree in health administration at the University of North Florida. It was uh, during my coursework that I was introduced to the fields of uh, medical economics and healthcare policy, which are two things I sort of developed a passion for. Um, during this time, I, I also worked uh, in an administrative role at an ophthalmology clinic associated with the University of Florida and as a graduate research uh, assistant uh, with the university. Uh, prior to graduating, I, I also completed a, a roughly one-year uh, full-time paid internship at Florida Blue, uh, where I worked with uh, what they call their business process management organization department, which is a, a mouthful that it basically means it's their uh, in, uh, internal project management and process improvement uh, department. Uh, the uh, internship uh, sort of exposed me to a lot of concepts around payer-led value-based care um, and uh, just payer operations in general. And uh, so having uh, developed a passion for uh, healthcare policy and medical economics, uh, I was fortunate enough that uh, upon, uh, being, upon graduating with my degree, I was uh, hired as a policy analyst here uh, at the FMA, where I have now worked for seven years and nine months. And uh, during the course of my tenure, uh, I've been uh, promoted to the uh, Director of Healthcare Policy and Innovation, as you mentioned, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, given me the opportunity and uh, the honor uh, of representing Florida's physicians at the uh, state and federal level and the opportunity to analyze policies that impact the practice of medicine uh, at the state and federal level, uh, which, as you mentioned, includes uh, reading through uh, changes to the uh, Medicare Physician Fee Schedule, which are released annually. Well, you know, thank you for that, Jared. And, and um as the person that was responsible for, for hiring you at the FMA, I've been told many times by physicians uh, and others that uh, it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. So, uh, so let's jump right into our discussion here. We know that the 2021 proposed rule has some you know, good provisions and some bad provisions. Um, so let's start, uh, you know, and some of those good things are, 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 are measures that we uh, that we agree with uh, and that we support wholeheartedly. Um, so let's start on a positive note. Um, what are the positive things that are included in the proposed rule? Specifically, you know, what groups of physicians um, stand to benefit the most um, from this uh, proposed rule? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so uh, these rules, as you've alluded to, and this is something I think a lot of people don't realize, is that you know they're enormous in their size and, and, and in terms of their scope. Um, and uh, this year's uh, Medicare Physician Fee Schedule and Quality Payment uh, Program proposed rule uh, is around 1,300 pages, and so it includes a lot, a lot more uh, than people realize. And uh, you know, we could sit here and, and cover many different provisions, but I, I think what most people are really interested in this year are the changes around the evaluation and management coding and, and reimbursement. 
Um, and uh, so let's start with some of the coding changes, some of the billing changes, uh, because that's a, a, there's a pretty strong consensus in the medical uh, advocacy community that uh, these specific changes will actually simplify the process of billing for E&M services and justifying different code levels and uh, ultimately uh, reduce some of the, uh, the stress and burden involved in that. So to, to give some, some highlights, uh, you know, CMS uh, will uh, eliminate the uh, history and physical exam elements uh, that are required currently for code selection. Uh, you know, physicians should still uh, perform these elements as they're medically appropriate, uh, but uh, they won't be part of the code selection process any further. And uh, physicians will also be able to justify ENM coding levels using either medical decision making or total time. Uh, the, uh, really, the, the idea here is uh, to uh, give physicians more flexibility in terms of how they bill for evaluation and management codes and uh, to uh, make it simplify the process of justifying the appropriate coding level, which is uh, you know, a huge hassle right now, as a lot of people know. So these changes are widely viewed as, as positive, and then they'll pretty much benefit anybody that uh, bills for evaluation and management codes, uh, which you know, would include uh, primary care physicians and a lot of, uh, a, a, pretty much uh, all physicians uh, to, to some degree, right? Um, this is a, uh, you know, a very sweeping change uh, that uh, is uh, generally regarded as uh, you know, something that'll be beneficial. Um, however, you know, there's a, a controversial uh, element uh, that uh, is included in this, as you've, as you've kind of alluded to, um, which is that uh, the rule also uh, substantially increases uh, payment for office and outpatient evaluation and management codes. Now, uh, this payment increase applies to standalone office and uh, outpatient E&M codes, but not to uh, visits that are included as part of uh, global surgery payments. Um, and uh, in addition to increasing uh, the value uh, for those services uh, directly, CMS is also implementing a separate add-on code uh, for certain E&M visits, uh, which will further increase uh, payment uh, for those types of services. Uh, so the short of the long is that uh, CMS is substantially increasing the payment rate associated with office and outpatient services, you know, which in and of itself is good. That means that primary care providers and others, uh, particularly not other non-procedural specialists who routinely bill for E&M services are expected to uh, see a fairly dramatic increase in their overall Medicare reimbursement. For example, uh, family physicians are anticipated to receive a, a net 13% pay increase, endocrinologists uh, a 17% increase, uh, immunologists and allergists a 9% increase, and rheumatologists a 16% increase. Again, very good news uh, for these uh, practicing physicians. And uh, you know that pay uh, bump is something that is generally regarded as, as well deserved. Um, you know certainly E&M services uh, you know have been undervalued uh, in the past. Uh, but there's a big catch to this, and uh, this is where things get really problematic, is that uh, you know the Medicare physician fee schedule is um, implemented on a budget neutral basis uh, by law. And what that means is is that if you uh, drastically increase uh, the payments uh, for some services, like evaluation and management services in this case, those uh, that increase has to be offset um, by cuts elsewhere. And uh, consequently, uh, what that means is that uh, while some physicians will receive a rather large pay increase, others will experience pretty drastic cuts. Yeah, um, you know, so you know, this is a this is a tough situation for an organization like the FMA to be in because we represent all physicians. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're not a specialty specific. We have uh, primary care physicians who, who stand to benefit uh, and we have procedural specialists, surgeons and so forth who, um, you know, who are going to be hurt by this. So it puts us in a really difficult spot. So while, you know, we have some physicians that'll see pay increases and uh, the FMA really, you know, wholeheartedly supports increasing uh, payment for primary care. Unfortunately, um, in order to maintain budget neutrality, as you alluded to, 
as required by law. Uh, this is in statute. Um, you know, and there's a fixed pool of money available. These payment increases um, must be offset by payment reductions uh, to other services. So um, tell us a little bit about which specialties um, are facing cuts, which, of course, the FMA is adamantly opposed to. Uh, and what will these cuts look like? Yes, uh, another good question. So uh, uh, the specialists that are poised to see uh, some of the largest reductions are anesthesiologists. Uh, who are projected to receive an 8% cut to their Medicare reimbursements, uh, pathologists who are expected to receive a 9% cut, emergency physicians who are projected to receive a 6% cut, and radiologists who are projected to receive an 11% cut. Uh, in addition, most surgical specialists will receive, uh, on average, somewhere in the vicinity of a 6% payment cut uh, for their Medicare reimbursements in the aggregate. And uh, a complete breakdown of these projections uh, by specialty is located in the proposed rule. Of course, these are averages, right? So there'll be variation from one practice to the next, but uh, the bottom line is, um, you know, as you mentioned, these are these are very deep uh, cuts, and uh, you know, it's also worth noting that uh, physicians aren't the only ones uh, affected, right? And when I use the term physician, I mean, you know, medical doctors and doctors of osteopathic medicine. Really, uh, this is uh, applicable to anybody who bills under the uh, Medicare physician fee schedule, which also includes, for example, uh, nurse anesthetists um, or CRNAs. And uh, they uh, would see a payment decline of roughly 11%. Uh, physical therapy uh, would see a decline of roughly 9%. And chiropractors uh, are facing payment reductions of around 10%. And uh, so again, it's not just uh, medical doctors and doctors of osteopathic medicine uh, that are affected by this. You know, this really, um, you know, it's unfortunate because physicians uh, are experiencing substantial hardships uh, due to COVID-19. So particularly, uh, you know, hospital-based physicians, the the people that are on the front lines, they seem to be the ones that uh, are going to be taking the biggest hit here. Um, and, uh, you know, so it couldn't come at a worse time. Um, of course, uh, there's a solution to all of this. Um, and clearly, um, you know, there is a an opportunity uh, for this to be fixed. And, and as you outlined, there's other groups in addition to physicians that uh, that are seeing, um, you know, dramatic cuts. So tell us what Congress can do uh, to help physicians um, remedy this situation. Yeah, so it's absolutely uh, the case, first of all, that these cuts could not come at a worse time. Uh, there's overwhelming uh, data that uh, physician practices all across the nation, and uh, including here in Florida, have suffered severe economic harm as a result of the pandemic. And uh, the prospect of uh, further reduction in payments for a lot of physicians uh, really does threaten access to care. Uh, we have a lot of physicians who are nearing or, or past the ordinary retirement age uh, already who may be put out of business by this. We have a lot of smaller practices that don't have a lot of reserves that are already uh, you know, running a, a deficit. And just a, a lot of uh, healthcare systems in general uh, that have just suffered severe uh, economic distress as a result of this. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, there's a solution. It's in, in, you know, in theory, it's actually quite simple. Uh, Congress as you mentioned, enacted a law that requires uh, the updates of the Medicare physician fee schedule to be budget neutral. And consequently, Congress uh, can also legislatively uh, override budget neutrality, allowing for the aforementioned increase in payments for uh, office and outpatient E&M codes uh, to be implemented without posing, uh, imposing uh, corresponding cuts to other types of services. And uh, Congress can and should uh, make this right, especially given uh, that uh, you know, payment updates of the Medicare physician fee schedule have not kept pace with inflation uh, for years. Uh, as a matter of fact, accounting for inflation, according to the AMA, uh, the Medicare physician, uh, Medicare physician pay has declined 19% uh, from 2001 to 2018. 
you know, so in an ideal world, uh, Congress would resolve this uh, budget neutrality problem while uh, also providing for payment rates that keep pace with inflation uh, going forward. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's, uh, you know, those are great points. And of course, the FMA has sent letters to our congressional delegation outlining um, uh, this issue. Uh, we've also had um, uh, op-eds published in, in various publications trying to raise awareness. Um, if there was ever a time uh, for Congress to to look at this budget neutrality um, um, provision, you know, it seems like now would be the time, particularly with so many physicians, um, you know, suffering and, and, and having to deal with um, financial hardship brought on by COVID. Um, you know, so we know that the organization is engaged. We know that national specialty societies, we've seen letters that they've sent. Uh, we know that they're advocating uh, uh, on behalf of, of their um, uh, specialty groups uh, for this budget neutrality. Um, and we know, you know, we know that message is coming, coming across loud and clear from these major organizations. But what can individual physicians do? Because it, 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 it seems to me that, um, you know, we can do a lot. Certainly the organizations can do a lot to amplify this message. But it really seems like, you know, uh, individual physicians that are impacted, if they could tell their stories, um, that would have, um, you know, that would help move the ball forward. So, so what are your thoughts on that, Jared? Yeah, and, and physicians who are concerned about this absolutely should reach out to their members of Congress. You know, explain to them how you've been impacted by the pandemic. Explain to them uh, what it would mean if your practice were to uh, experience further uh, payment cuts, were this uh, rule to be implemented as is. And, uh, you know, ask them to support waiving the budget neutrality requirement in law. That is, again, the solution to this. Uh, the, the FMA, of course, uh, will continue lobbying uh, Congress and we'll continue doing everything we can to, to get the word out uh, to, to push for this change. But ultimately, um, you know, our best bet at, at making progress here is uh, for each and every physician who is impacted by this to, uh, to speak up, contact their members of Congress and, uh, you know, really make them aware of the states. Uh, for uh, the physician community and, and for patients here in Florida. Well, you know, thank you for saying that, Jared. I, I think that, um, you know, physicians underestimate the, the influence that they can have when they tell their personal story. At the end of the day, uh, when a congressman, member of Congress, um, hears from a constituent, um, it, it means a lot. And physicians are, you know, well-respected in their community. They're, they're employers as well. And so uh, they can make an impact. Um, so listen, I, I want to thank you, Jared. Um, this was a very informative discussion, and we appreciate you sharing um, your expertise uh, with the audience today. Uh, the FMA and physicians are, you know, very fortunate to have you on our team. I think that was demonstrated clearly uh, today with your knowledge. Um, we look forward to having you come back uh, for future uh, podcasts. Uh, this has been great, and there's a lot of ground to cover certainly in the future as it relates to. Um, you know, healthcare policy, particularly, you know, payment, payment reform uh, and the like. So uh, thank you, Jared. Um, you know, indeed, one of the benefits of being a member of the FMA is that you can call or email Jared anytime uh, with questions related to payment issues, whether that is Medicare or Medicaid or issues you might have with private insurance carriers. Jared's available to help guide you uh, through this process and help you in your practice. So so don't hesitate to reach out. You know, that's a benefit of being a member of the FMA. And as Jared said, 
if you're concerned with these cuts, uh, contact your member of Congress and ask them to support waiving the budget neutrality requirements that are currently in law. So thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in today. Uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast and we welcome your comments and input.